But actually, if you want a church filled with people who are eager to win the lost, it will be a church that knows the Father's love. Yinka, it was great to the previous session we spoke about the outpouring at your church and how it breathed life into your people and people started to do ministry which is which is just phenomenal and then you uh, felt the Holy Spirit lead you to 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 allow the Holy Spirit to move in the structures not just in a specific meeting which is incredible okay so now take us forward because there was a the transition to to what happened in the following years. Take us through the, the, the second sort of outpouring or move of God in yeah. the church. So with the second outpouring of the Holy Spirit, so we stewarded that for eight years, the first one, just kept it alive in the church. We opened up the well. In fact, you know, um, very often when I go to minister in places, I open up the well because what God said to us was, you know the way to this well. You can come to it whenever you want to. Don't be, don't be afraid. Huh. about shutting down the meetings, just bring me, bring me into the structures. So, and we have over the years done exactly that. We've been in different contexts where we have opened up the well and people have come to drink and it's been just amazing. At your church or when you go places mm. to other churches? Uh, when we go to other places, other churches. So, so God has used you to also open things up? Open up wells in different places okay. and yeah, just come and have a drink. You know, come and get drunk in the spirit. Uh, um, so, uh, yeah, so we, so the second outpouring came as a result of repenting from not, about not doing evangelism. So we done all that stuff of, you know, you hire an evangelist in to come do your stuff for you and you have meetings and you hire somebody in to speak. And I felt really convicted because in my early years were plant, was church planting and, um, you know, so by the time I got to Reading, we'd planted over 20 churches, Fiona and I, 22 to be exact, by the time we got to Reading. And, um, you know, which involved evangelism, having to equip people to be, understand how to reach out to the lost, how to grow a community from scratch, all that kind of stuff. And in the UK, you know, it's, it's hard work, okay? So I, um, you know, I... I kind of like suddenly realize, okay, hey, we're doing well as a church, but we're not doing evangelism. We're not really reaching out to the lost. We need to repent. So, so was it something that you felt the Holy yes, Spirit? Yes, Holy like Spirit God convict was, us that we need to repent yeah. about evangelism. Yeah. Anyway, so we had one mission in 2015. We had a second mission in 2016. When you say mission, it was like outreach in the city. Outreach to, to the to town, town and, you yes. know, yeah. And in that second outpour, in that second one, we encountered what I call the, the grace of the turning. Now, I just want to really be clear about this. This grace has been around for since the 30s, 40s, maybe 50s. And it's gone into different contexts. And people have labeled it as different things. But it's a grace that comes from the Father. And it started in a conservative uh, context um, where uh, some minister was reaching out to university students and constructed a format in which that would help people to be able to share the gospel easily and share their faith easily 
But what that resulted in was the life of God being able to flow through people in such a way that many, many people were getting saved. Okay? So taking away, because we get in the way of God. You know, we want to argue with people about why they need to become a Christian. We want to show how clever we are because we know about, you know, um, uh, uh, we, we know about evolution and we know how to counter evolutionary arguments. And, and all of those things get in the way of the gospel. You know, what people really need to know is that they're a sinner and that Christ died for them. <laughs> and they need to hear how he's transformed your life. Yes. You know, you, you don't have to get an argument about what their beliefs are and why their beliefs are wrong. So, and that grace has carried on and there's a number of outpourings of this grace. When it came to us, we realized that this wasn't an anointing on an individual but this was the Father trying to take the platform. So Father loves people. You know, the, the impulse from mission, we all want to talk about Jesus. But the real impulse from mission comes from the Father's heart. You know, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. Now, so the difficulty with just talking about Jesus when it comes to evangelism and mission is people can get into works mentality because Jesus came to do, huh. okay? But if you really want to know the heart behind why Jesus came to do, you've got to go back to the Father. God so loved the world. And when people encounter the love of the Father, they behave exactly like Jesus does. They want to tell everybody about him. So it's for everyone, and it's not just for the evangelists. Everybody. Everyone. So when this outpouring came, 2016, the top evangelist in the church was an 11-year-old girl. <laughs> we led over 60 people to the Lord herself. Wow. 11-year-old girl, walking around with a, a little evangelistic guy that we have, talking to grown men weeping. Wow. Uh, you know, I mean, obviously her parents were behind her watching her, you know. But growing men weeping as she would read, you know, um, uh, and, and take them through the Romans road, you know, um, all of sin and fall short of the glory of God, the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. And you're, uh, but whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And you know whosoever are you not. Yes, okay. <laughs> I mean, just extraordinary. 11 year old girl, then God can use anyone. Huh? Anyway. Over 60 people she led the Lord sure. in the four weeks of mission. So, you know, this is for everybody. We had 80-year-olds leading people to Christ who could hardly walk. They'd sit in a coffee shop. Mm. And, and it was just an extraordinary time. And for us, the big thing about it was we suddenly realized, like, scales fell from our eyes because we thought nobody's interested, nobody wants to know, you know. It's what, too hard, yeah. It's too it's hard, hard, it's yeah, tough, but... But what we found was everybody wants to know. Everybody wants to pray. It was just we were phrasing the question wrong in the past. And now when we were phrasing it in a way that God could use, what is going to happen to you when you die? What a question. You know, what a question. So we, we the, so that outpouring came and we uh, ran with it. We found ourselves training up national teams in Scotland. Um, all the denomination leaders in Scotland came together and asked us to bring it to Scotland. We went to Scotland and we had six cities simultaneously 
holding missions together at the same time. Germany, same thing. Switzerland. In fact, I'll be in Switzerland end of this uh, end of this month, next month. I've been in Switzerland for a week of mission, 16 different locations at the same time. And you call it the turning. The turning. Which is and, wonderful. Uh, it's a yeah. wonderful descriptive word, the turning, the, turning. the turning, the repentance, the turning, turning to Jesus, yeah. the turning. Yeah, yeah. Love you got it. it, you got it. Love it. Now, what, what, you know, so we really needed to understand this grace, and that's what we've done. We've worked with Jesus. We understand it's not my anointing. It's the Father's anointing on ordinary people. Mm. Okay? So, um, you know, it, but what's happened in charismatic circles, when they... When that grace moved into charismatic circles, charismatic leaders would say, it's my anointing. That's why you're seeing these things happen. But actually it's not. It's a father stepping into the evangelistic podium and empowering everybody. Yeah. All his sons and daughters. Go into all the world Go and preach the, world the world gospel Absolutely. to every creature. Every, it's a command Absolutely. for everyone, yeah. not for the elite. Absolutely. Mm. So you still need evangelists and you mm. still need, you know, we need evangelists. Yeah. But here is a whole body, just like everybody can prophesy, everybody can pray for the sick. Here's the whole body now evangelizing. And that was a huge shift. So we've stewarded that now since 2016. What we're doing with launch festivals, which so we're here in South Africa at the moment doing a launch festival. Um, what we're doing with launch festivals is we've we, 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 we now realize we need to, it can't just be street evangelism. We've got to try and bring the grace into, like we did, <laughs> like we did with the uh, renewal into all the structures. Into oh. yeah, every, every, every different Now type. we're bringing the grace of the turning into all the structures, oh. all the ministries that exist. So the the grace that we see out on the streets where people are just responding to Christ, we're now bringing into art, art ministry in the church, into worship ministry in the church, into teaching ministries. So in other words, they, they, wherever your ministry is located, where you interface with the lost, you can now have this grace come in. And, you know, so we, that's what we're doing. And we've had the first one in, um, in Gran Canaria. Uh, that was the beginning of, uh, uh, towards the end of July. Gran Canaria, amazing. 240 people responded to the gospel. Half of them, uh, friends and neighbors and family, you know, because, we, because we've moved into, so all, <clears throat> we've moved into um, bringing the grace into the different ministries. So that, uh, you know, di different ministries in the church. So whatever you find in ministry, they, the grace can come into it and that grace can help empower people to reach a loss. Now that's what launch festivals are about. But the plan with our launch festivals is we now want to do this for five years, change the culture, you know, provide hundreds of opportunity for people to respond to the gospel, not just on the street, but you know, neighbors, friends, family, whatever, in different contexts. And that's been really, really powerful. Mm. Um, so in Grand Canaria, for example, we got together the business people, <clears throat> Christian businessmen and women, they'd never met before. And uh, mm. within three months of their meeting, they already led one of the wealthiest people in the island to Christ. Uh, an Italian businesswoman has now come to Jesus. Wow. I mean, just, just you know, and they, they'd never met before. So when we had a turning festival, about seven of them responded, <clears throat> um, responded um, uh, to the message. 
just absolutely amazing. So, you know, we're about 50 um, businessmen and women at the meal. And uh, to see that response was extraordinary. So mm. this is bringing the grace into different aspects of, of life. Mean, people reaching people. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Compared to street preaching, you might reach certain kinds of people, but when each one realizes they can reach the people in the environments, it just uh, releases the life of Jesus. And and what changes have brought to your people and to the to the church? So that, that what change have you seen in, into the, the the Christians themselves? So, uh, a lot of people go out regularly evangelizing, ministering to the lost. Um, you know, the church is much more. I mean, nobody can walk into our church who's not a Christian without getting the gospel. It's just not going to happen. Um, you know, we so we've seen, we've seen. I would say it's a healthier place because it's not just focused internally. Right. You know, it's actually the only thing the church can do on earth that it cannot do in heaven is lead souls to Christ. Yes. So it, it's become a healthier church because it's mindful of its behavior with respect to the lost. Yes. And, um, and whenever we, you know, everything that we do, we ask the question, and how does this help us to reach people? Mm. You know, is, is this ministry just for us? That's fine if it's just for us, but we need to know what, what we're doing here. Mm. Is this ministry meant to be connecting us with the lost? If, if it is, then... It, that's what it needs to do. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're very specific now about what the ministry is trying to achieve. Well, it's a good taste. It's a good yeah. check in a sense. Yeah, yeah. Because church tends to become, say, uh, inwardly focused and yeah. comfortable. Yeah. But if one can align every facet of church with, hey, but how is this going to reach somebody who doesn't know Jesus? Yeah. It brings a laser focus. It does. I mean, you need those spaces where it's just for believers. Mm-hmm. You, you absolutely need that. But by asking the question, you begin to get a sense as a leader of how much of what you're doing is in any way connecting with people outside. And you're also able to say to those who want to join the ministry, well, you do realize that ministry is about reaching the lost. It might be a ministry you want to be part of because you think it's exciting, but are you prepared to, to jump into what they're trying to achieve, which is to connect with the lost and not just because it's a new, you know, bright, sparkly ministry that yeah. you'd love to be part of. So, yes. yeah, absolutely. No, everybody can reach, everybody can reach a lot. It's Every, good. Doesn't matter who you are, doesn't matter what you think your gifting is, doesn't matter how anointed you think you are, it's irrelevant. You can reach the lost. You can, you can share your testimony in such a way that people are convicted of their sins and they will come to Jesus. You might not be eloquent, might not be able to speak well, it doesn't matter. God can use you. He can use anybody. Yeah, that's good. And and for me, again, it reveals that the Lord wants to come and renew his church to not just give people goosebumps and a nice time. The ultimate outflow is it, it needs to flow out. The life needs to flow out into the community. So um, I spoke to one of your leaders, Sue, and she shared about the prophetic, taking the prophetic out into. So share a little bit about that, how they've taken prophecy out into pray over people. And um, yeah, no, so we we. So, so one of the things that happened was the prophetic, which is Sue heads up the prophetic ministry in the church, um, was that we kind of felt, well, you know what? God wants to speak to everybody all the time. So why don't we go out and see? You know? So we did. We went out and we would pray and we would ask the Lord who we're going to meet. Um, and we'd make notes, write it all down, what we felt was going to happen. And then we'd go out and look for those people. Um, and like then tra- we, treasure hunting. Yeah, treasure, treasure hunting. hunting. Uh, uh, treasure hunting. <laughs> You know, and, you know, we've got to look for those people. And when we find them, 
we then prophesy. We tell them, excuse me, this is going to sound strange, okay, but I'm a Christian. And I was praying today, and God told me I would meet da-da-da-da-da, and that's you. And it's really interesting how people respond. It's like, oh, oh. Uh, now, can I, can I just tell you what God said to me? And it's like, well, yes. You know, it, well, well, yeah. I mean, and then you, you share what the Lord has said. And it was absolutely fascinating. Because, you know, 99% of the time, spawn accurate. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, you get it wrong. Mm. Okay. But 99% of the time, most, more, nine, nine out of 10 times at least, spawn. And it doesn't matter whether it was the kids bringing the prophetic words. didn't matter whether it was the adults bringing the prophetic words. It doesn't really matter. And so what we found was that whoever was willing to go and bring the word of the Lord to people, the Lord was honoring what they were doing. Kids. Kids. That's good. You know, so the Lord was honoring what was happening. And, um, you know, and it was, it, it was fascinating. I mean, I'll I, I tell you one story that happened to me. So I was, uh, you know, we were out doing prophecy in the streets and... Um, I walked up to this, there was an artificial ice rink, you know, in England at wintertime, some people come up with artificial ice rinks and you pay to go in it. Mm. Anyway, I walked up to the, you know, I was dressed as I am now, I walked up to this ice rink and they had about eight, uh, no, they had about six guy, people that were looking after this thing. Anyway, I walked up to them they, just before they opened it up and I said, hey, I'd like to have a chat with you. And one of them, a Sikh, said, are you a pastor? <laughs> I'm like, how can you tell? <laughs> you know? So I said, yeah, I'm a pastor. <clears throat> and, and then the Lord had told me that one of them had a problem and needed healing with the knees. So I said, have you got a problem with your knees? I kind of think God is telling me you, you need healing of your knees. And he said, no, I don't have a problem with my knees. I don't have nothing wrong, no. So then he said, well, actually, yeah, I have got a problem with my knees. <laughs> okay. So I said, okay, let me pray for you. <clears throat> So he sat down, prayed for him, instantly healed. Oh, wow. In, this, was, this was a Muslim guy. Okay? So th there was a Sikh, there was a Muslim guy, and there was other, some British guys. Okay? Some English, some white English guys. <clears throat> so this Muslim guy was instantly healed. God then gave me word of knowledge about some of his friends. So I began to share, and this is what God's saying about your friends, and, and about one of them in particular. And as I began to say it, he said, Please wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. Can we go over here? So he said, carry on. <laughs> he didn't want the people around him to hear because God was telling me about some of his Muslim friends getting into extremism. Mm -hmm. Okay? And he didn't want the folk he was with to hear all this, but he was very grateful. He was thankful. Sure. Now, this is what then happened. Now, suddenly, when I finished with him, the other guys then, the C guys said, can you pray for me next, please? <laughs> you know, so the sick guy, and they, they're lining up, they're queuing up. They, yeah, can you pray? For... When I got there, they didn't want to know. But the word of knowledge oh. that initially the guy denied, <laughs> then admitted, then was healed, broke open the whole place. So the next guy, the sick guy, God told me that what happened to him when he was 14 years old, a, a prophetic revelation about what happened to him when he was 14. And God wanted him to understand a number of things. And he just began to cry, he just began to weep, you know, you know, he's a little bit embarrassed, you know, as God was, you know, ministering to him. And, and that's how we went on. So these, 
Now, none of those guys got saved in that moment, but God was clearly working on them. Absolutely. And one of the things that we as Christians need to understand, we think God only moves when we go. The Holy Spirit's already working on people before we ever get there. Yes. Before we, before we take a step outside, He's already seeking them out. He's already working in their hearts and working in the Spirit, trying to win people. We think, we're so arrogant, we think He only starts to do something when we go. So what, I, what we found was the prophetic was, God is already ministering to people. He prepares them. He's already ministering to them. Yes. So you turn up and you... You just bring your little bit into the... You bring your little bit into the mix. Yeah. And, they, and it's kind of like, yeah, okay, God's speaking to them. So, yeah, that, the prophetic Love stuff. Love that. Yeah, and, and again, that's something we steward. We're opening up prophetic hubs across England. Uh, Sue is busy doing that at the moment, opening up prophetic hubs, which is bringing prophets together so that they can know how to function with apostolic ministry. Because a lot of, pro a lot of prophets don't know how to work with apostolic. <laughs> so bring them into a place where they come into alignment, working with apostolic ministry. No, oh, that's good. And, and it shows, again, that people... Then who they are, the Muslim, the whosoever, the atheist, people want the reality of God. Absolutely. People just tired of dead religion, they, but they want the real deal. Yeah, yeah. And, and I love how you say that the gifts, the gifts of the Spirit were not meant to just be inside the church. Yep. It was meant to take the gospel out, to build a bridge to people's hearts. Mm. Uh, I love the evangelistic focus. So let's talk about the gospel. What is the, what, what, what is the gospel? Can you give me, what's your definition yeah, of the gospel? Yeah, so my definition of the gospel is really, very simple. Okay. And it's summed up in that phrase, that scripture, God so loved the world, that he gave his one only son, that whoever would choose to believe in him would not perish, mm -hmm. but have everlasting life. And so understanding that Christ died for our sins, mm -hmm. and that if we repent of our sins, not only will we be forgiven, but we'll be reconciled to God the Father, which is what Jesus is all about. Of course, there is no salvation without repentance. Uh, there is no salvation without accepting Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. And so communicating that essential truth is really, really important. I know others would like to also add, you know, mm -hmm. baptism and the resurrection of the dead and... Mm -hmm. You know, and all of this, you know, um, belief in, in the resurrection, you know, they would want to add and add and add to it. But the gospel is simple, re re repent and believe. You know, it's it's really very, very simple. The turning. It's well, the absolutely, turning. absolutely. And when people complicate the gospel and add caveats to it, it makes it difficult for people to be saved. So if you say, you know... Um, it, it's more than just repenting of your sins and accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior, then you're putting hurdles in people's ways that, that perhaps, you know, the gospel doesn't, doesn't put. And if you say people are only saved because of a change in their lifestyle and behavior, you've got to really be careful about that because I don't know about you, but it took me just under a year to really change. Yep, took me also. It was, a, it was a journey. Uh, yeah, and so I was... Definitely saved. I would looking back, I guess, you yeah, know, I was saved, but I was struggling. Oh. You know, I believed that I repented, I'd, but I was struggling as a Christian. So I think you, we, we, we need to understand the gospel is really that simple. And, and it, 
but it but it's got to be clearly proclaimed not yeah. not camouflaged and and in in a nice dressing but absolutely clear you are a sinner you need to ask God to forgive you it needs to be clear people need to understand that and uh you can be I mean, polite but yes. but you must be clear because a lot of christians still feel like you know if i just live a good life that will people will somehow then turn to Jesus. But that's not. But even if you lived the best life, even if you lived a perfect life, it wouldn't save anybody, because only the gospel can save. Yep. Yeah. But there's there's there is uh, no other means by which a person can be saved. There's no your good works or my good works or anybody's good works. Nothing we do. All our social actions, feeding the poor, helping them, that doesn't save anybody. Nobody's ever been saved because they've been helped. Even even being healed doesn't save them you know um it's the gospel that saves them yes and the minute a believer understands that the only thing that can save somebody is the proclamation of the gospel yes and their response to that um the better really so to connect with that so let's say you pray for somebody they don't know jesus they get physically healed you now have to follow up with the gospel Absolutely. So you have to now explain to them, this yeah. is what happened, this is a miracle, Jesus loves yeah. you, yeah. And, but now the gospel yeah. needs to be proclaimed. Absolutely. And, and, and actually, you need to repent of your sins and accept Jesus as your Savior. Yes. Absolutely. The fact that he healed you says nothing more than he loves you. Yeah. Great. That's why I also <laughs> the same thing. I just showed, hey, Jesus loves, he you. loves you. Now, let's talk about the yeah. gospel, yeah. the salvation. Yeah. So how would you... Yeah, so let's say I'm I'm a I'm a believer, and I just don't think I can lead people to Christ. How do you, how would how would you train somebody like in three four minutes flat? How would you, hmm. how would you share the gospel with somebody, or what would be that process you take yeah. people through? Yeah, so we, we we take we the training we provide lasts about forty five minutes worth of training to enable them to give a two minute presentation of the gospel, but in with if I didn't have time to do that and I wasn't able to take somebody through a simple, um, what I'd say is just share your testimony, you know, in two minutes, get your testimony down to two minutes. You know, this is how I became a Christian, you know, just down to two minutes because the minimum you'll do by sharing your testimony in two minutes is plant a seed in their heart. Yes, absolutely. That's the minimum you will do. You've done something fantastic, whether they respond to Jesus or not. Okay. But the second thing, I would add to that, if you've got your, your testimony down to two minutes, you know, this is how I became a Christian, why, okay? Then if you simply ask them the question, would you like to accept Jesus as your savior? You've, pro you've, you've, you've proclaimed the gospel, you've done it. Because in sharing your testimony, how you became a Christian and why, okay? So you've repented of your sins, you've accepted Jesus as a savior, this is why, this is how you became a Christian, would you like to accept Jesus? That's it. You 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 proclaimed Christ, yeah. and now you're asking them for a response. Yes, you know that's your pulpit. Yes, and you have to you have to move to that challenge in to. a sense that yeah. question. You have yes. to move beyond just also sharing also, your yeah, sight. Absolutely. Yeah. But if, but if if it's all you have the courage to do, yes, it's a good start. It's a good start. Yes. You know. Yes, and the testimony in general, uh, we also would share with people if you want to share your testimony learn how to break it down into what was before Christ, yeah. the, the negatives, the struggles, yeah. the sin, the, 
lack of peace or joy or yeah. or depressed or hopeless or purposeless or whatever and then what happened how did you turn to christ and that's then the good. change that's good and yeah. then the change so that's the before good. what happened what yeah. did jesus do and then the the change, the change that jesus good. brought so that's yeah. a good way of breaking down one's testimony yeah. well, very and good. Uh, and then to move into and i mean you, you mentioned earlier one of the questions you asked which i i also believe is a very good question is to to point people to death like you said yeah. what, what happens you when you die, yeah, yeah. so is that something you ask people? So we, yeah. So when we do with the turning, we 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 start off by saying to them, you know, um, hi, God loves you, and He's got an amazing plan for your life. And so that people stop and do, oh, oh, thank you, that's really great. And then you say, you ask them. It's the second question we ask them is, if you were to die today, do you know without a shadow of a doubt that you go to heaven, or not? <laughs> and of course, um, most people think about death at least once a week. Huh. Okay, everybody thinks about death. Everybody thinks about dying. Huh. Um, Eternity is written on our hearts. Huh? Is absolutely. Say. I mean, even, but just generally speaking, people think about death a lot. Hmm. You know, they think about about them. They think about what happens when they die. People think about this yes. a lot. So when you ask the question, it will always resonate with people. Yes. It's kind of like, yeah, you know, that's kind of like, yeah, what is going to happen to me when I die? And then we lead them into the Romans road, you know, which is, well, this is what the Bible says. All have sinned. You know? All fall short of the yeah. glory of God. And we take them through the Romans road. Hmm. And then we then say, can we pray for them? And if they say yes, then we pray for them. And then we ask them, would they like to accept Jesus? After we've prayed for them, a blessing with their lives. <laughs> so we we would be very very clear, and um, that question it it has an impact upon people's lives, because people are concerned about their mortality, <laughs> and quite rightly so, because they are going to die, <laughs> you know, um, and you know, and then they're going to face their maker. So, so what you're doing is that you're sort of making them because people don't like to think about death, but so what you you want to you want to turn them. You want to make one. Well, you want to make them aware again of the reality of death, yeah. aware of eternity, aware of heaven, and then in that you can then start sharing Jesus yeah, and the reality I, I, of Christ. Absolutely, yeah. So we would, we would, we would. It is the most important thing is that you have, the most valuable thing you have uh, if you're not a Christian is your life. You know, it's the most valuable thing you have if. If you're dying, you would do anything you could to extend your life. Mm. You would give up all your possessions to extend your life. The woman with the issue of blood, you know, she spent all her living in trying to get better. Why? Because she wanted to live. So mortality is something etched in the human heart. And so when you approach the gospel from people's vulnerability, which is, you know, you are going to die, what's going to happen to you? Because we do realize, like you said, eternity is written in our hearts. We do realize that we're eternal beings. We we understand that we're good. Somehow we in instinctively understand there's more to this than just this life. Yes. Okay. So facing people with that and saying, actually, you're going to face your maker. And what's going to happen then, really? It's, a, it's what you're facing people with. And you're asking them to respond to that. Um, now, they might not respond with you on that day. But you've helped them reconsider 
you've asked them to sink again. The next person coming along asks them might bring in the harvest, which is why we need to keep on going out. The farmer goes out scattering his seed. Yeah, scattering seed. Love people. Yeah. I mean, so some of the, some guys have said, you know, if it's really, if it's true, if hell is real, why are we not going out and telling the whole world? Yeah, well, that, that comes back to that comes back to renewal, which centers on the heart of the Father. Amen. So if you many churches focus on Jesus, they don't focus on the Father. Hmm. But actually, if you want a church filled with people who are eager to win the lost, it will be a church that knows the Father's love. Yes, love Moses like nothing else. Love overwhelms our fears. Yeah. Love gets us to just do what is uncomfortable because love, yeah. that is the power of God's love. And Jesus, you know, in, in his equipping of the saints, wants them to have a relationship with the Father. Mm. So, you know, it's our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It's, you know, don't worry about your life, sing, what shall you eat, what shall you wear, for the Father knows. So Jesus is desperate to get his disciples to have a relationship with the Father. Okay, out of that relationship with the Father comes the missional impulse. You want to do it for Him, because it's all about love. It's about being loved. Whereas to just focus on Jesus, to just focus on the Son, is to focus on the outcome of the Father's love, which is to send Himself. Hmm. You know. Um, so, you know, these these are critical things for a church to understand. Yes, but what what I found is that. Few things cause a believer to come as alive as when they actually lead somebody to Jesus. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, you, you feel like a yeah. real Christian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Compared to hiding away within the church walls, yeah. you know, inside, just yeah. doing your little thing. I found that when I lead somebody to Jesus, I'm like, come yeah. on. Yeah. It's like, it's, I feel like a real believer. Yeah. It, it causes you to come alive. It's beautiful. It brings life to the church. It does. Which is just phenomenal. No, awesome. Thank you, Inka. Yeah, it's good. Love it. Good discussion. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>